Hi and welcome to Boom It's on the Blockchain. My name is Alistair Caithness and today I'm just going to bring in our co-host Garrett. How are you doing Garrett? Good, how are you doing today Alistair? Good, good. Back, back to virtual world. Garrett and I got to see each other in person on Friday in sunny San Diego and now we're back to the, the virtual world of the, or the Zoom world as people like to call it, you know. But today we've got a special guest in uh, Garrett, so I'm just going to bring him in straight away. A friend of mine, his name is Brandon Palma. Hey, Brandon, how's it going? Greetings, Alistair. Greetings, Garrett. I'm doing well. Happy to be on the show. Great. So, so yeah, so we'll just kick off with the show today and then just provide a bit of background for the viewers then, Brandon. Sure. So, uh, greetings, viewers. My name is Brandon Palma. I uh, own my own creative agency called If They Create, and currently have uh, a few uh, art-focused uh, NFT projects that I'm involved with. That I'm also involved uh, mainly in the cannabis sector with my creative agency. Yeah, so so we actually met on a train traveling from San Diego to LA during the lockdown it was like one of my first trips away and then we were all masked up we had to separate and stuff like that and then i was actually flying back to scotland and uh, brandon was going to la and then we just started chatting and then that's how we got to know each other so it was um so it was interesting stuff so but you, you've been involved in the cannabis industry for a number of years so tell us a little bit about your uh, company and what you did in the cannabis industry first of all brandon absolutely uh, just to give you a quick uh, short story, his, uh, history of my experience. So uh, about 11 years ago, I was living in Seattle, Washington. Uh, and Seattle, Washington at the time was coming a medical to recreational state. Uh, it was getting all of that in place. And so as medical started expanding and getting uh, in place, I actually was approached uh, with the team to be part of creating a publication that would do advertising uh, for the local market, for the medical dispensaries. Uh, and so as a graphic designer and publication designer, I uh, was approached uh, by a few financiers uh, and you know, who would eventually become the owners uh, to create a publication and start the name and the branding and doing the design, you know, doing all the creative heavy lifting, you know, heavy work, you know, up to getting it to the printers to print a publication. That publication uh, ended up branding it Dope Magazine. And that was launched in August of 2011. <clears throat> the long story short there was that uh, the magazine had about a gosh almost seven year run in 2018 it was purchased by high times corporation for 11.2 million dollars uh all the brand and its assets and that's where it's currently at so it's a brand that uh you know i feel i feel i feel a few can say that you know, something they created in the cannabis space is now part of one of the most recognized household cannabis name, you know, weed names out there. 
Uh, and so it's been, you know, I feel creatively, you know, from starting a brand from just being a, you know, very enthusiastic, you know, cannabis centric, uh, creative in a, in a sense already on my own to really taking that energy and, you know, looking to be the heart of the movement, you know, and the vibrational heart, uh, rather than, you know, the, you know, other focuses. And so I felt taking that spirit and energy into my work uh, and really exuding that into the presentation from the publication to the ad designs uh, really helped propel the band to you know, places you know, in a really short time. I think also to that uh, you know, cannabis was just expanding really fast and it was just a really good timing uh to get things going and so yeah that's you know the, the quick you know short uh, short story of the long story in the cannabis yeah, world three, three minutes of your life basically yeah. out. but you know that, but that's pretty amazing it's for people to think about the the industry sector itself it's in the u.s it's worth bit you know approximately what somewhere between i think 25 billion dollars now yes. uh, and by 2030, you know, they're looking at over $40 billion. So if you think about the NFT market space in the U.S. right now, you know, that's sitting at, what, $15 billion, something like that. That's what it's like going. So the cannabis industry in itself, it's sort of intertwining with this new technology. And what we, you know, we spoke about before on part of that train ride was how people in the cannabis industry because it's a new up and coming industry that's actually exploding across the States and across the world as well. You know, Canada, it's fully legal and other places as well. So it's a huge industry for every country out there. You know, so many countries out there that do not legalize cannabis right now, which seems to be absolutely crazy. You know, if you, if you go into the history of why cannabis became illegal, you know, it's like prohibition. You know, cannabis wasn't illegal going back in time, people. It only became illegal, you know, in the what was it, 1930s, 1920s, something yeah, like that when it first became illegal. Thing. It was the 20th century thing for sure. But so, it's interesting as it's opened up and become legal. I mean, there's it, it seems to be there's about four different flavors in the U.S. for cannabis legality and it. In Texas, it's still, you know, completely illegal. It's like people calling up their friends. Everybody smokes, but it's like people still calling their friends or whatever, getting it like that. But I remember in Minnesota, where I'm originally from, um, you know, I, I haven't I haven't smoked in years. I haven't drank in years. But a couple of years ago, I had a medical card there and they would only do oil. That was all they would do. Wow. And now they've just opened it up to flour. So that's like a big step forward. And, you know, so, so there's that kind of flavor of medical. And then it seems to be the Florida kind where it's like, hey, they have a little bit of everything, but it's still in the boring white plastic jars where it's the same logo and everything. And then I'd say there's really two flavors of, of legal, too. I remember when Uncle Ike's started in um, Seattle, that was yep. like the first like, hey, this is like a store. It's like a liquor store and you can sure. walk in, you can just buy this stuff. But then, you know, I'm on a road trip probably three or four months ago, well, maybe longer than that. But I, my, my friends brought me to Cookies in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I'm like, I, I don't smoke anymore, but I'm just looking around and I'm like, wow, like they put a lot into the advertising here. And that's, that's guys like yeah. you, you know, putting in that little extra elbow grease to make the place look beautiful. So yeah. In terms oh. of flavors in Amsterdam, if you go into one of the coffee shops there, there's usually more than two flavors there, you know, <laughs> but there, well, 50 different there's flavors, many flavors you know? of weed. Every, every I'm single, only, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> so it's, um, it's still illegal it's like in the uk it's still illegal so there's yeah. a country there and you know i sat on a panel at the it was the southern california's investors week and it was montel williams so montel williams the tv host you know amazing guy amazing life that guy you know it's just like used to be in the uh, it was a marine oh no navy seal so, and he could speak fluent Russian, fluent Chinese, like, I mean, you know, just like speaking there, obviously he's probably a spy back in the day or doing something, you know, stationed <laughs> out in Southeast Asia for 50 years. Well, uh, Montel, that's yeah. what I know him from. Or, yeah, yeah, or you just they were from saying that he was, he was Tupac after facial reconstruction. Like, Tupac's that's not crazy. a island. He's just Montel Williams. <laughs> Well, oh, anyway, but he's got a, a CBD company, and then when he was right. diagnosed with multiple cirrhosis, and this is where, by the cannabis industry from the medical perspective, is he was uh, diagnosed with MS, so he got started taking opioids to help him. And then in, in his story, he said, as he started to take the opioids, he went to see his doctor because he was feeling other pains, and basically one of his lungs sort of collapsed. And then he said his kidney was going down. So suddenly, because of opioids, his organs are starting to shut down. And his doctor basically told him, if you don't get off these opioids, you know, you're going to be dead basically in less than six months. So he basically had to biohack himself. And then he worked, he started researching more and more about cannabis and pulling at the CBD side of things. And then he's obviously got the massive company now. And then what his company's trying to do is trying to replace opioids with cannabinoids and taking the um, sort of elements out of it to match what's in the opioids so you can actually get the same benefit without the addictiveness of this. It's like an amazing story that's actually happening. And he's and now he's actually, you know, and I got to sit next to him during lunch as well. I've got a picture next to Montel Williams, one of my favorites. But um it was an amazing story when he told his background of like why that had to happen. And then again, he was basically, he said he was in New York. He had a, uh, it was an apartment, one of the top floors. And then he just, because of what was happening, and obviously the guy's like a genius, like just basically converted his um, apartment into like a lab. And then he, you know, with the whole thing, and he's trying to pull out different extracts of cannabis. And one room was a grow room. One room was like, he's pulling these extracts. One room, then he's trying to solidify this stuff, doing it all himself. And then there was a fire went off in his apartment. So the fire brigade all had to turn up. And then the fire brigade come into his house. And the Jeez. police are all there thinking, it's Montel Williams, what he's up to? You know, oh, <laughs> it looked like one of that breaking bad scenes, basically. And Montel Williams yeah, is fine. doing this. But it, it just goes to show for people out there to understand that from the medical aspect of marijuana and from a mental health aspect of marijuana, it's helping essentially millions of people. And in states and countries where it's become legal, now you've actually got doctors now starting to prescribe this rather than opioids. And this is one of the reasons why, if you dive deeper into this, why a lot of the pharmaceutical industry 
for years have been blocking marijuana and blocking reports and blocking information coming out there because they don't want you to come off opioids and switch to some form of marijuana. And you don't only have to do it with the flower. There's a lot of obviously edibles that people can take it that way so they can start to do it like that. You know, what's your thought process on that aspect of the industry, Brandon? So I feel when you speak about cannabis, you know, of course, rule-wise, people, you know, feel a very strong stigma about speaking about the medicinal aspects. Um, and But I also feel whenever you are speaking or even taking, thinking about partaking cannabis, you know, you can't deny the medicinal aspects of the plant. You know, like, yeah, legally you can't, you know, they can throw out all these rules and say, oh, you can't say this, you can't label it this, you can't have bud tenders talking about, you know, how it's going to help someone's back if it's in a recreational shop. Uh, you know, you need to get a license if you need all, all this medical stuff. Like, they put all these, you know, hoops to jump through, you know, when in reality, at the end of the day, I feel all cannabis consumption is medicinal, you know, like, because you can't you can't separate the two from the plant that's one and the same it's why people are consuming it it's because it does something to the you know the the psycho the, the the psyche of a person but then also you know with certain strains you know especially on the indica side there's a lot of very much uh, you know body effects and so when you're speaking on affecting you know those type of elements within a person's body you know, that would be considered medicinal. And so I feel, yeah, there is, you know, because of, you know, according to local laws, state laws, federal laws, you know, there's a lot of tiptoeing and, you know, mislabeling with everything. You know, I feel these days everything's just being labeled, you know, like how can we break something down to the smallest component? Uh, whereas, you know, you, you, you try, you know, we've seen what's happened in that with cannabis and it's, I almost feel like people are just figuring out the ways it's like almost trying to contain water in a vessel and that whatever holes or leaks that vessel has, like that water is going to find a way out. And so I feel like it, uh, you know, to, to speak on the, you know, how people are, are experimenting, you know, with, with cannabis on their own body and usage, you know, you know, to extend their, you know, value of life uh you know uh, for me it, it just goes to show that you know it is something that works you know that it you know there are reasons why there are so many hoops to jump full because it does you know establish uh, a major threat to these huge you know you know companies let's be real you know like the real drug companies the real drug dealers of this of the you know united states of america you know why We've just been living two years under that, <laughs> in a sense, you know. So, uh, you know, and, you know, for me, you know, like, cannabis has been a lifesaver in a sense of that. Like, I've been smoking this entire time and walking around people, you know, me and you were talking, you know, on the train and stuff. And, like, I have, you know, like, bless up, you know, like, I'm healthy, you know, as can be, like. You know, whether that has some, you know, like, so to speak on medicinal effects, like, how can I be walking around, you know, no mask throughout this whole entire time, 
you know, quote unquote, breaking rules, but I'm smoking, you know, living healthy, you know, living, uh, you know, a, a quote unquote lifestyle that would be alternate to what, you know, a typical doctor would prescribe. And like, I'm good. And so I feel, you know, the plant does affect, has impacted and influenced that, you know, lifestyle where it is more, you know, I guess when you say medicinal, it's more of, okay, well, if everything is healing, then think about living a life that is rather than reactive to inflammation, like start eating and doing things that will alkalize you, that will neutralize acidic things that will, you know, will just be harmonic. And so uh, one thing I really love about all of this is that, you know, cannabis, NFTs, Web3, these are all areas that are literally tools that will literally break this civilization, this current civilization. I feel that's why we're in this kind of current downfall, you know, of what's being, what's been constructed, what's been presented to all of us, because there are tools out there that can redesign civilization for the grandest betterment for all human beings and all beings. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it comes down to, to energy, uh, you know, and so that's where I'm excited, you know, to speak, you know, more with you and be on this show. Uh, because I know you understand that, Alistair, what energy means. And so, yeah, I feel like the, these topics, you know, they're, they're separate and they have their own interest and wide applications. But when connected, that's like a super technology. That's like a super civilization type thing going on. Uh, and, you know, from a creative perspective, uh, you know, I've been, you know, dribbling and, you know, taking my hand at, you know, AI, you know, renderings and designs and, you know, working with Dolly too and, you know, Midjourney and, you know, these Google, you know, AI algorithms and the way that it can generate word or art from just words and just descriptions and how creatively descriptive you can be is changing, I feel, the entire creative game, you know, even more so because it can create such detail uh, so fast, which, you know, of course, you know, a lot of artists, I, I would say, you know, if like you're an artist, you know, yeah, there is this weird feeling like, wow, this machine just did four pieces of artwork, which would probably take me a month to do, you know, each one, but it looks so good. Uh, on my Instagram, I've actually been sharing uh, a lot of my AI generated artwork and actually been creating them into NFTs. And so let's share this. So this is your website. So how can we see these? Yeah. So that image actually right there, that opening image, that was uh, image designed uh, and I gen uh, image designed and generated by AI uh, mid journey. And uh, you know, the, the text prompt with that, you know, if I can recall, was, you know, like uh, a turquoise ancient Mayan gold jungle, you know, ancient civilization, uh, you know, with, you know, a few, I feel I, I definitely included a few other things, but uh, yeah, that kicked that backed out to me in, you know, less than a minute and it blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I've, Amazing. I didn't even realize it was AI ways to generate art, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I remember back when Deep Dream came out and I was like, you know, we've come so far since that. It's incredible. Yes. 
so actually all these pieces besides the uh the two temple ones uh are earlier uh ai generated pieces that i actually uh made into nfts that are listed on rarible and are actually made it a kind of like a a small case user uh you know design experience slash token experience uh to um my agency business where it's kind of like you know these are you know one of one nfts but then some of them have you know business perks like hey you'll get like uh you know one of them will include you know a few utilities there you go that's what i'm looking for uh, and so a lot of this was just a lot of me exploring in real time how can i create you know some cool ai generated artwork but then also you know with you know the push of nfts and artwork and seeing you know these amazing one of ones but then also seeing amazing you know crazy ten thousand piece collections uh you know this was like my hand at wanting to do artwork at a certain level you know still keeping an integrity and you know design bar and not making it look you know like your typical cartoony you know nft you know you'd find out there and uh you know really brand it and so, so far it's been, you know, the experience has been great. I actually, I feel throughout what I'm learning throughout the thing is just like anything is, you know, the, the marketing aspect, you know, like uh, me speaking about the projects and tapping into the whole NFT world, you know, what I'm finding is, you know, you may have a big following in one industry, you know, and these people may be aware of you. That doesn't necessarily translate into, you know, people buying your NFTs or, you know, having an NFT community. Uh, so, you know, that, I mean, of course, has been a learning curve for me. And of course, you know, learning to how do I still be involved in what I'm currently doing, but then also have my hand in uh, generating, uh, you know, collect collectible art pieces uh, and kind of have that, interesting phase where I feel uh, and I kind of thought about it this morning where I'm going from you know a, a creative you know design service based you know individual agency to more of uh, an artist you know where I'm purely designing or creating you know with no one giving me any input you know it's, it's purely me you know and you know using AI uh, it feels like I've gained like a whole creative you know, agency team behind me, uh, you know, which uh, has been amazing. This one is actually probably one of my favorite pieces I've designed. So, or not even I designed, but I guess co-created with AI. Uh, it's weird to figure out that part conversation. Um, but in this this one uh, for April of this of this year, I just wanted to generate. I wanted to celebrate cannabis. Uh, and, you know, have an NFT aspect. So I made these like cannabis gods and goddesses, space gods and goddesses, you know, kind of profile pictures, PFPs, uh, you know, one of ones. And uh, overall, the, pro the overall project under the brand, I called it Project Generate, uh, standing for, you know, AI generated art. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I did design uh, a base image that was totally designed by, on my own. 
uh, and then uh, I fed it into the algorithm and it, you know, gave it the input and it kicked back this. And I felt once I saw this, it just really, I totally, it just totally expanded my consciousness of like, wow, what I could really perceive and do with, uh, you know, this tool, you know, respecting it, you know, uh, harmonizing with it, but then, you know, taking it and then, you know, still putting my traditional design aspect to it, like making a template, creating things. Um, but then I could also see it as, you know, where, wow, what if I got real cannabis plants and then placed it into these areas where these plants are growing and kind of use it as like a roadmap and a set, create a roadmap and then, you know, create that into like a, an AR, uh, you know, mask, you know, design that I can then put on Instagram for stories or things like that. And so, uh, overall, the entire NFT Web3 experience for me has just been one giant individual lesson uh, in upskilling. Uh, of course, I think for everybody jumping into this, you know, just learning things, learning, you know, new applications, uh, words, you know, getting into communities, talking to individuals. It's, it's so, fun. So how does it, how does it work? How does so the AI-generated art work? For people out there to understand that this can actually happen so how, so how does what, it work so how does it usually uh, um the typical way it works so there's what you would call you know these ai art engines and so google right now has probably some of the most advanced ones um there's one called doll e d-a-l-l-e-2 uh and that right now it's in beta uh, and so a lot of these uh tools are just like literally groundbreaking right now. Um, they're, you know, just testing out, they're like sending out, you know, just like thousands of invites, you know, I think some, some of them are just tr trying to get to like a million people right now, but they're also being, you know, conscious of like, okay, how do we, who do we, and how do we release this to if it can, you know, generate images, you know, uh, that anybody can input. And so uh, in the simplest way to explain it, uh, how these images are generated are by words. So meaning they're text prompts that uh, an individual would type into, you know, uh, a block, an entry area, uh, which then inputs it into a whole, you know, AI neural network, which, you know, a lot of them basically use the entire internet image library as their database. And, you know, depending on, you know, the calculations and applications, you know, backend applications, it it perceives and puts a, a image together. You know, mashes it up, uh, and so it's uh, it's crazy because it literally is. You, I mean, for me, it's more like how creative can I be in my sentences and in my expressions and my you know in creating and saying something, uh, which could then give you know the AI machine you know, that much more feedback to kick back and generate an image. So descriptive, you know, to give you an example, you know, let's say I want to create a space image sky with pyramids in front of me, with starry background, uh, hyper-realistic photo, you know, photo cinematic uh, in the style of a 15th century oil painting uh, with gold frame, uh, turquoise hints and neon lights. That sent that statement right there. If I kick that into the machine and press enter, I just would, 
in the in the most recent one I'm working with, the one that you saw on my website, uh, Mid Journey. Uh, and if you look, if you pull it up, or if, uh, whenever you get a chance, it's I, yeah, I believe it's just Mid Journey AI. Uh, how do we? I'm just going through them all. I don't know if this is on. Oh uh, yeah, midjourney.com. And Instagram. Oh wow. Oh yeah, and their Instagram. I'm on it. Uh, wow. Now he back to your okay. website. Cool. So. Uh, actually, if you go back onto my Instagram, I want to show you just a little bit more of uh, the midjourney images. So at the very top. Uh, if, if you uh, click on, yeah, those two, and I have a panel of them. And so if you just scroll through the um, the slides, it'll show you a few more examples. So that one I, you know, created saying, you know, a quartz crystal, you know, ancient uh, neoclassical temple and a cosmic background with waterfalls and... Uh, a brilliant starry night sky and it changes it's changing color as well yeah so that's where i was able from there i took it into my own you know back-end design thing added added in the project logo and then you know uh just for uh, instagram purposes you know i made a transition from gray to show the color that and that's amazing yeah because a lot of people think of AI coming in, they're going to lose jobs, they're going to do this, but whereby it's like, it's going to open so many more possibilities with oh, this. It's, for me, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I never, I didn't really think of or took into account that, you know, artificial intelligence would first impact creativity and design and art. <laughs> you know, you'd think people would be more like, oh, it's going to take the restaurant you know, burgers job, you know, and replace him. But, you know, with my experience with this and seeing that, I'm like, if I got that printed up and on a canvas and then just went to an art museum or a person and been like, hey, I spent, you know, and, you know, I could totally fabricate a story, would they be able to tell between that or a machine? That's the crazy part. You know, it's like for me, like, this takes my, I mean, even just for me on a creative level, this just expands my entire creativity and branding, like, and design to a whole new world. Uh, I feel like I've never even experienced this amount of creativity in this short amount of time ever. And I think with that, there's a harmonizing element about it of like, okay, do I be afraid of this or do I harmonize it with it? Uh, because it still depends on me inputting input. You know, I have to give it a, a, dis, a, a description, a thing, you know, like, uh, so if you click on the next few ones as well, just to show you, um, or, yep. so that one, you know, I, I definitely did a lot of temple ones, uh, there's a, yeah, if you scroll through that one, uh, um, uh, go back. Yeah, on the, on the mini slide. Oh, the, uh, yep, yep. All right, yeah, 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 okay. So yeah, so like this one, it's like, I that like one, that. for me, it's like, I, there's no way, like as uh, in my creative element, 
you know, would be able to even design or think of that, mix all the colors, do that type of design detail. You know, that would take me, gosh, I would say, you know, weeks, if not a month, you know, at least working on it consistently and coming back at it. Whereas, you know, that generated that in less than 60 seconds. <laughs> it, it It's really huh. crazy. And so for me, it's what I'm starting to discover. It's about how well and descriptive can I be uh, in my in my descriptions to it, but then also how well versed I am in knowledge of art. And so, for example, with this one, it's, you know, one thing, you know, co-creating with uh, Midjourney is, uh, and, and all these AI art algorithm, you know, piece, computer pieces is that it's, it's taking, you know, like art styles and stuff as like, as if you, that was like a paintbrush or tool. So for example, in this one, I was like, uh, I want this done in a, you know, in the style of a 16th century French oil painting, you know, Monet. And so you can use basically your knowledge of artists and their style. This engine somehow, you know, because it, you know, taps into that database, you know, of all these uh, past artists, it can render these images, you know, in those styles. And so it's like now, you know, it's as, it's as if you, if Crayola launched a bunch of crayons and the colors were, you know, Van Gogh, Monet, Michelangelo, uh, you know, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And every time you colored, it would paint in that style. Yeah, for some reason, it's a little bit that, that is totally amazing, eh? I, I wasn't even aware of that. Were you aware of that, Garrett? Of what? AI-generated art. Oh, yeah. I've been doing this for years. Um, yeah. I just... Um, I have a little... I have some other tools that I use. Um, let me think here. But, um, you, you can bring some of your art up as well. That's all I have to say. Yeah, because I, I... You know, it's like, well, we're on the topic. I don't usually get a chance to talk about this stuff. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, that That's funny you mentioned, Garrett. Uh, uh, you know, you've been doing it for years. I actually looked at my uh, timeline history today on Facebook, and I saw today, seven years ago, I posted my first AI art when I uh, was messing around with uh, Google Deep Dream. And so I feel like today's like my seven-year anniversary of doing AI artwork. What? Yeah. That's sick. This is one I really like, and I, I this is – it goes into like the process a little bit, you know, sure. that's why I picked this one. I have a different one that I have. I had it made into a diasec on my wall. I use no AI for that. I use, um, ZBrush and, um, Corel painter primarily. Those Beautiful. are, you know, so the face up here is completely done, you know, in ZBrush Corel painter behind is, you know, that's LA, you know, it's up, um, from, uh, the hill in Whittier or whatever, Not it down over LA, put through Deep Dream. So you're getting like the classic early Deep yeah. Dream type little temples and stuff. And then this is kind of like a, a, a fire put through the uh, impressionist one. But, you know, that that was this is one I did um, a couple years ago. And, you know, I. I just think that, you know, it, it goes into my process a little bit. I use like a little bit of AI, I use a little bit of, you know, freehand. But the, I can attest that this stuff 
does take like, you know, it takes hours and hours and it's like, eh, you know, you're putting like, like the face and stuff like this and getting it the way you want is probably, you know, it can be an hour or two of work, you know, even with a tool that's guiding you through it kind of, but the AI stuff is minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, it's, it's really crazy uh, because I feel it, it, it really just kind of disrupts what your traditional approach to, you know, I guess like creating comps and creativity, you know, of course, you know, I, I feel there's always going to be a place in time uh, to do the traditional creative ways, but, you know, to get like four renditions and super high quality of what a potential scene could look like, uh, I feel is what's going to be a really uh, interesting game changer. It's blown my mind, basically, guys, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I spent hours bugging about in Canva, you know? So it's like, it, it's what you guys are doing here is like on the next sort of level. But like going along with the show, because we could sit and talk about this stuff all day. It was like yeah, coming sure. back to like, you know, what's happening with cannabis and the, probably one of the most topical thing, and I'm going to bring it up there, I'm going to do it's freedom of speech, is currently the US basketball player, uh, Brittany Griner, who is held in Moscow right now. Unfortunately, it's the worst time probably ever to be caught with a little bit of uh, cannabis in Russia because of the war with Russia and Ukraine. And she's getting used as a political pawn. Now, but it's I didn't know that that was the reason. I thought that they just did it for a baseless life for no reason whatsoever. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, so- it, was over, it was over a vape pen. Wow. A vape, was a vape pen that she'd left in her bag by accident or she's took it on purpose? They don't even know, do you? Because she's over there. So it's, um, but, you know, I saw Joe Biden's pushing to for her to get released because of obviously the laws in the US. But then it brings up the, the bigger topic of, you know, I think there's 45,000 individuals held in incarceration in America right now for cannabis possession. So, you know, being involved in the Libertarian Party, being part working along beside Adam Kokesh when he was running for president, you know, 100% legalization of cannabis is one of the key party policies, but it's also to push this thing of victimless crime. It's suddenly, it's like the problem with people being in incarceration for cannabis possession and for people out with the U.S. to understand there's still the, in some states, there's still the three strikes and you're out. So if you're caught with cannabis, no matter how small it is, three times, you're automatically going to get a 12-month sentence. So you could be caught with one gram three times by the police, then you could be put in incarcerated. And then the, you know, and then it comes back to the race side of things as well, with the huge amount of African-American community making up over 50% of these people who are incarcerated, uh, being incarcerated for just pure small possession of cannabis. And it's for a victimless crime. There's no victim to this crime. In, but we're suddenly putting people in jail for 12 months. And if you get caught again, there's people in jail for five years because they've been caught when they've been released and then again caught with cannabis. And because they've broken their um, uh, parole, suddenly they get a five-year sentence for this. 
So you just think, and, and that brings back to the bigger picture of like, you know, the government, we were talking about pharmaceutical companies, but, you know, you've got privatized prisons in America who are getting paid essentially millions of dollars from the government to have the place packed. And, you know, it's like a hotel. If I'm running a hotel, I want it to be at 95% occupancy rate. Doesn't matter what the occupant is in for. As long as they're uh, taking up the cell room, I'm getting paid my money. And this is another thing that they talk about a lot with cannabis is that why are, is the incarceration rate so high? And then even in some states like California, where it's suddenly legal for cannabis, there's still people in jail in California right now uh, who've been incarcerated before it became legal for possession, which just seems like madness, you know, especially when you see this uh, young woman over in Russia right now who's basically held for, you know, as you said, a vape pen. What are your thoughts on it, guys? Another one, good one to interject here is a little free Ross. If you want to bring up freeross.org, we should have Lynn on, Lynn Ulbricht, Ross's mother on for a one of our episodes because I know somebody that talks to her. But um, Ross is doing double life for the Silk Road. Um, it was mainly victimless crime. You know, it was... I don't think, you know, it's like obviously people were making their own choices and stuff there. But I, I like to kind of put that out there when we're on this topic that, uh, you know, just the more people that know about it, hey, you know, maybe there's someone out there that can fight and help this young man get clemency from the president. But so so so, 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 so tell us a bit more about that then, Gannett, you know? Yeah. So that, that I mean, that was a very early Bitcoin. I was. Bitcoin's killer app really was the was the Silk Road, which was a, you know, kind of uh, it was a drug marketplace. Um, there was a lot of uh, drugs sold in that marketplace, a lot of questionable things. But um, it can be argued that it was, you know, as a website owner, it's like, how much did this guy really do to, you know, it's, you know, did he didn't really hurt anybody himself. I understand like he he was set up for some stuff. Like they set him up to make him look like a bad guy. There is obviously some things if you look into the case, but at the end of the day, I mean, he was, you know, I think um, this was almost 10 years ago now, but you know, he did, he didn't deserve what he got. He, you know, I, I get it. It's like if they would have given him some time, but like double life with no chance of parole is ridiculous. So I, I do like to interject that it's a big libertarian thing. Ross himself is a big libertarian and he also does some fantastic art. If you're into NFTs, if you go to freeross.org, he has NFTs made from his drawings in prison. And uh, he's a phenomenal artist, phenomenal, phenomenal artist. Uh, these are worth way more than they're probably selling for, but um, you know, check it out. But um, let me, but I'll bring up this a bit since we're talking about it right now. So here it is here. So yeah. Ross will start soon start his 10th year in prison. Yeah, he's he's been in prison a long time. And, um, you know, it, it's everything on this site is valid. You know, it's um, at this at this point, I, I remember the day Ross was arrested and I can't believe it was 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, I remember the whole story. His, his mother is just the sweetest woman. She's very 
nice. And she's super involved in Bitcoin and libertarian stuff. Um, if you ever end up at, you know, those type of events, um, Ross actually spoke, I think at Bitcoin 2021, they got him on the phone and he, he was actually speaking at the conference, but, um, there's, there's no doubt that he was a historical figure. And it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, like he did far less than like, um, there, there was that guy that they did the Johnny Depp movie blow on George, George Young. And that guy, I think it was a similar situation where he had like some super long sentence that got commuted, but I don't think it was life. It was like 40 years, but they commuted it. And it's like, I mean, with Ross, it essentially puts the situation where it has to be the president pardoning him. And, um, so, so he's so for people there. So it just says he's a first-time offender, all non-violent charges. Yeah. Essentially, created a website called Silk Road where people were using it to exchange a variety of goods, and including on it some cannabis, small amounts of cannabis. Yeah, there were. Um, you know, I so would he, say he just built the website. Basically, that's all he did. He just ran yeah, he just put up a website. Basically, I mean, there was um and. You know, I, I give him some credit because uh, there was a point where you could sell other things on there and he eventually took those down. He moderated it. So, um, you know, he's he's definitely a big figure to, you know, the classic Ron Paul era libertarians. I mean, I could only, you know, it's President Trump was handing out pardons. And I was hoping that, you know, Ross was going to get one. Um, but I guess the president thought Lil Wayne and Kodak Black were a, a little bit better choices. Um, <laughs> Kodak's going back, I think, too. He, I saw him in the news the other day. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess I've, I've spoken my piece here for your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but you look at some of the other sentencing disparity that's in there as well. So this is people who were sentenced on for on his website so yeah there's people that have they did the same thing like the guy that made silk road 2 there were people that cloned the website did the same exact thing really you know, yeah they're out but but Ross, um they, they got him with like the kingpin charge he was he was being held at like a a something florence it's like a axt florence or something like that right next to El Chapo. It's like, you look at this guy, he's not El Chapo. I mean, El Chapo did some really bad stuff. This guy isn't El Chapo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because it's all sentence. Yeah, it's like, it's like, that's absolutely crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So it's double life. And it says like his sentence wasn't even ruled on by a jury to justify the sentence. Yeah. Oh yeah, it wasn't. I, I tell yeah. you, if you get Kokesh in as president, this guy will be... He'll get his pardon. <laughs> there, there's his mom. We should invite her on because she would be a great, great. Um, yeah, there's his mom made us all. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's definitely let's reach out and get her to come on. That would be so interesting, actually, Gary. You know, it's just like. Oh, yeah. And then again, it's just like it's it's like a guy's getting there, built a website, victimless crime, and suddenly he's in jail for forty years. You know, it's just it's double, like, double life plus forty years. That's the sentence. So it's double life plus. I thought double life plus forty years. Double life plus forty year sentence. That's crazy. That's just like that is. It's just like that's unbelievable that 
But again, it comes back to this thing of whereby, you know, would the, you know, the incarceration rate in the U.S. is obviously higher than everywhere else in uh, the world, you know? So is is the U.S. much more dangerous or is it or is it the fact that we have privatized prisons here compared to other places? Because other places, if you start going into like, you know, Netherlands and all these sort of places, no. they have they are so forward thinking in terms of rehabilitation of prisoners, especially nonviolent prisoners. You know, these yeah. they get these people basically straight back in the community operating within the community and helping out. They go to old folk homes. They help people with mental health problems. They try and do ways of, and especially a lot of people who've got drug addiction and they end up in prison because of petty crime, trying to feed a habit. You know, they look at it completely different, whereby here it's just basically as another person to be put into the, the prison system here. If you're running a privatized prison, you know, you, you want customers. It's as simple as that. There, there's no other way around it. And there's no other um, explanation why America should have such high incarceration rates, especially when you're comparing it to places like Europe and stuff like that. So it's, um, and it's the amount of money that these prisons make. If people start to drill into it, it's absolutely crazy. So they want long-term prisoners. And then you've got Brittany out there who's in Russia for essentially, you know, as uh, Brandon said, a, you know, a vape pen. It's like, you know, what's what's she looking at right now? You know, it's just like, and it comes back to this sort of freedom of speech, people shutting things down, you know, just as we go through different parts of what I was wanting to speak about today. Um, if I want, and I know this is going a little bit off topic because we like, I like talking about the golf and that. I don't know if you're a big golfer, Brandon, but we'll bring it up anyway because it's, it's topical. But Garrett's not a golfer anyway, but he has to speak about it each week with me. So <laughs> basically, it's um, <clears throat> so this comes back to this guy who was like captain of the European Ryder Cup team. So his name's Henrik Stenson. He used to be good. There's no denying it. He used to be ranked number two in the world about 15 years ago. He actually won the British Open, but now he's 46 years old, ranked 171 in the world. I think that's actually been generous to the guy. Um, he was European Ryder Cup captain, and then he's just been signed up to the LIV Golf Series. If you're not aware of that, this is the, the Golf Series that uh, is run by the, the Saudi government that's been paying huge amounts of money. So they've basically paid this guy $40 million upfront fee to join their group. When essentially the, the, the guy's, you know, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say his career's over, but, you know, he's missed, I think, seven of the last nine cuts he's played in. He's, you know, he's shooting super high and to get this huge amount of money. And it's it, basically the guy's been brought in to do another sort of stab to the heart of the current golfing regime. But it, what I want to talk about is how does this influence uh, other governments coming in. So they're talking about this sports washing right now. So why is the Saudi government so keen on setting up a golf league, investing into sport? And it just comes back to, you know, the, the, the one article that keeps coming up again and again is, you know, there's Joe Biden. I wonder if we can just actually watch him going into Jeddah. You'll see us do his fist pump with the. Um, it's in the New York Post, by the way. Sorry, guys, it's like not the highest uh, newsworthy publication.
But really it comes back to this Khashoggi who was assassinated. He was brought into the, the Saudi embassy. Uh, he was thinking he was actually getting a marriage visa when he was coming in. But he was just taken out by their sort of um, their version of the, you know, SES in the U uh, UK, CIA here. And then the guy was just basically taken out. So suddenly Saudi Arabia has got this and this this becomes this worldwide thing of going on in terms of Saudi Arabia essentially using sport to hide away the fact that they are doing things in their country that the rest of us don't agree on. And suddenly they're investing into this massive golf league where they've got the best golfers in the world coming in and they're refusing to ask any questions on these subject areas. And then you bring in Donald Trump, who is obviously a big friend with Saudi Arabia, coming in and telling all the golfers to take the money from the LIV Golf League or pay a big price because these guys are taking over anyway, whether you like it or not. And then you've got the 9-11 victims, the family victims are urging Trump. Now, bear in mind of the eight courses that they're doing the golf competition on, five of them are Trump's courses. So he's obviously going to be a little bit biased in terms of where the golf should be played. But it comes back to this thing of, oh, wait a minute, you've got the last president of America, the last president of America, essentially giving the Saudi Arabian government a pass on taking out, and we're not just talking about that uh, journalist. There's multiple journalists in Saudi Arabia that have gone missing in the last five years. Some of them saying very little things against the regime. If you look at Russia as well, I'll just bring up another article that's sort of bringing in that's interesting, is here's the Russian TV journalist who protested the war on her Instagram. And then she was arrested. So she's automatically been arrested and she's been held for discrediting the actions of the army of Russia. You know, that's basically, you're charged on that. So who knows what's going to happen to her, but there was a recent politician in Russia as well that spoke against the economics of the war and how it's going against the interest of the Russian people suddenly arrested and put in a jail for essentially seven years. So we are now in America right now. We push freedom of speech the whole time, which is one of the most important things. But then you've got two countries, and there's a third country just to bring it up before I open the floor to you guys. And this was in today's Fox News. Nike, LeBron, and the NBA, silent as China's crackdown on the LGBT community continues. And for people to understand what's really happened out there is there was a couple of Chinese students decided to, you know, put up the uh, LGBT flag, the rainbow flag, automatically getting brought into the universities, you know, losing their essentially bursaries that they're getting to come in and threatened in terms of potential incarceration or anything for if they ever bring out those flags again. So how do you, what are your guys' thoughts on this whole process of freedom of speech and sport and politics? 
well, you got to have it. You got to have the freedom of speech, but it's very difficult in these authoritarian regimes to, you know, for them to ever feel comfortable with that. Um, who knows how long it could be till they have it, but I would say China before, you know, Saudi Arabia or, you know, I feel like there is some level of freedom of speech in Russia, but, um, Apart from that woman, but a journalist who did a Instagram post. <laughs> so it's like, but you, you, but it's something you get, you, you have here. So it's something you're entitled to hear, and people need to understand that. And then suddenly we're looking at the other two superpowers and potentially third superpower in terms of uh, oil production, and you've got Biden going over there, fist pumping the guy essentially the, the crown prince where it was only a year and a half ago saying, you know, you can't be doing this to our journalists. We should be basically holding you accountable, but because we need his oil, we'll give him a fist pump and uh, pat on the back and go forward from there. So now you've got this mer emerging in terms of sport, politics. And then the strangest thing is you've got the U S political sides, whether it's Democrat or Republican, siding with outside governments because they dislike their own opposition party more, which is even stranger to me looking from the outside in. What are your thoughts on all this, Brandon? Well, overall, I think uh, there's definitely, I feel just kind of taking a step back and looking at a bigger picture, uh, you know, there's a, just a, a huge cultural changing of the guard happening. And with, I think with all these technologies, you know, as much as, you know, we can use it for creative, benevolent means, you know, a lot of people see it for, as power and control. You know, I mean, you know, InfoWars is a real deal. You know, and I think when it comes down to uh, freedom of speech and stuff, I mean, there's always been countless examples of, you know, power structures uh, you know, really wanting to exercise and flex their muscle on uh, other beings, you know, and I feel, you know, in this, you know, new, you know, area we're in, there, there is kind of like a re reformation of civilization happening. Uh, and, and I think, you know, ultimately, I, I feel what it comes down to is America is not the the power country it was a few years and we are now living in in like the after days of that you know it's uh you know for me i i think you know it, it a lot of it does come down to you know yeah the freedom of speech and, and tolerance uh and you know having strong boundaries uh and you know what can happen you know when boundaries are weak and you know whether that be physical mental spiritual you know all kinds of boundaries uh and so yeah i, I think in a sense you know yeah there, there'd be freedom of speech uh in a, in a sense of expressing yourself but i think the bigger question is you know for me just being a very you know spiritual uh you know meditative type of person is you know looking within is like you know well, if I have the freedom of speech, is my speech edifying and you know, like benevolently harmonizing with the environment? Uh, 
you know, or a person or a thing, uh, rather than putting quote unquote curses on it, you know, like kind of going back to the AI thing, you know, words are powerful, you know, like we'll say words matter, you know, and so it's like, for the first time ever, I'm seeing it's like, you know, even, you know, if you go back to, you know, if you look at a religious example, the Bible, you know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, you know, like, it, it's crazy, you know, like how, you know, just kind of like wrapping it all up, it, 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 it all connects, because I think it, there is, with the vocabulary and with the freedom of speech, there is a changing of the guard of civilization, because I think we're about to have, you know, new expressions of vocabulary. New ex creative expressions uh, and ways of being human, uh, and also, you know, what is our place in the cosmos? And so, I think with all of that, there is a lot of conflicting ideas uh, and traditions, and you know, a lot of evolution happening. And yeah, it's, it's crazy watching it in real time. <laughs> uh, it's information overload as well. It really is. You know, like I think. You know, even for myself, you know, it's not so bad where it's like I literally have to take an hour a day to, you know, sit outside and meditate. You know, like I've made that like a part of uh, my overall being because it is, you know, that, you know, oversaturated. And of course, being a creative who's on the computer, designing on the computer, you know, almost you know, 25 hours, eight days a week. <laughs> uh, it's uh, gosh. Yeah, it. it it really can affect one's health and overall mental, you know, being. And so, yeah, you know, to, for, for me to, to wrap it up, I do have a call. I have to jump on here in a few minutes. But, yeah, yeah. Um, no problem. I was just going to, we're going to wrap up here quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just wrap it up, I guess, with the topics. Uh, I want to say, you know, uh, cannabis, creativity, uh, you know, I, I feel. You know, I was going to show you quickly one of my, my NFTs, actually. And this is we usually finish the show off in the last minute, so we'll show, I'll bring up one of my ones, Brian. So Beautiful. we'll bring it. Obviously, now I know about the there AI stuff. They're going to improve quite a lot, but basically, I've been reading the Bible a bit, brought up with the Bible, the good book, as they call it back in Scotland. And then, since we had that conversation on the train, I started to read more, and you know. Yes, so I, what I've started to read for people out there is God, actually, whether God wrote the Bible or not, the, the, he speaks about weed and the herb a lot in the Bible, a lot more than abortion. You know, I don't actually find anything about that in the Bible. A lot more than a lot of things that people are trying to push on you here. But if they actually bother to open the book, here's a couple of beauties that I found anyway. And I've got multiple ones. Don't worry. Every day I'll pop into the Bible and see what else has God been writing about cannabis and why it should be legal. So this uh, this quote here is in Genesis. You know, that's the first book of the Bible, most important one, because it's first. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed. So there you go, people. It's in the Bible. Why is it not legal in places like Texas? You know, Ted Cruz, I thought you were supposed to read the Bible, you know? Right. Yeah, right. never read the Bible, that guy, if he's not read this part of it, you know, absolute blasphemy for you. You're only going one place, Ted, and that's going straight down there, you know, that's what we think of the Ted Cruz people. Look, here's another one just before we hang up, because I know everyone needs to go. Look at this one. This one's even better. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, you know, Genesis oh, again. 
That's a good it's, one. It's, it's in the beginning of the Old Testament, everybody. And then there's God, by the way. And God's black, you know, because Jesus was black. So if uh, God made Jesus in his image, then obviously God would have to be black. Coming from a white man that's learned the Bible in the north of Scotland, it took me a long time to understand that, you know. So, um, and that's the um, Gabriel, Archangel Gabriel, and then he's giving God a seed, you know. That was what that represents there. So that they're they're my NFTs, but now I know about the AI technology. They'll be improving quite a bit going <laughs> forward. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I look forward to uh, seeing that. And Alistair, I want to just say much appreciation for inviting me on to uh, the it's show. No at all. It's, it's, it's good. Wonderful it's time to chat, Garrett. Pleasure to meet you and, and have a conversation. And uh, yeah, uh, we'd love to Perfect. be a guest. To, to, in the oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get you on there as well and it was good for everybody for you know uh, tuning in to boom it's on the blockchain learning a little bit about nfts the cannabis industry we always like to go a little bit political and speak about freedom of speech i'm a great believer Absolutely. in you know everyone should be allowed to say what they like whether you like it or not you can always just tune them out i just don't believe in this uh, shutting people out just because they've got an opinion you know so exactly. i think that's important you know everyone's yeah. opinion accounts so well thanks again brandon for coming on thanks again garrett for making it here thanks for uh, everyone out there who's tuned into the show you've been watching boom it's on the blockchain thanks very much have a nice day